Okay. Are you ready for cocktails and conversation? This is Herspiration Happy Hour. Happy Wednesday and welcome to another episode of Herspiration Happy Hour. This is your unapologetic diva, Dr. G. This is Cortina Peters, a.k.a. the Girlfriend Therapist. Whew. And you know what? It's a Wednesday. It's the middle of the week. You can call it Wind Down Wednesday, Women Crush Wednesday, Working Woman, you know, what is it? Working Women Wednesday. Uh-huh, Either way, uh-huh, we, uh-huh. we are here. <laughs> we are here and we are visible and I, I got to go yeah. get my, look, I'm moving about because this is how live we are. I'm moving about so I can wrap my phone. Are you ready for, and see just how much that is, uh, how quick my fingers hit while I'm making moves. This is the, this is the perk of being, um, live where you get to really see and capture everything. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> How are you today? How's your week been so far? Even though we are three days into the week, uh, yeah. how has it been for you? Uh, busy already. And um, yeah, just kind of busy and going about my day, still on my exercise routine. So just trying to get in rest when I can. Oh, you know what? I have not. I don't know if I really say I've rested because <laughs> okay. this only because this time difference, if you all hadn't been following me or have not been following me, I am on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. I've been here since last week, Wednesday, and it's it's only like four o'clock here and it's 7 p.m. there. So it's super hot. Have the sun on me, hence the shades right now, because I'm sitting on the back patio of my cousin's house um, in San Diego, literally right near the border of Tijuana, Mexico. So it's absolutely gorgeous here, but the sun is hot, but the cool breeze is like really, really nice. Okay, nice. I know. So always on a Wednesday, we always represent a female that is... Uh, we are crushing on this, making a difference in this world or has, has made a difference in this world because sometimes they are no longer with us. So, Cortina, do you have your WCW? Hmm. Um, I think it's just so many wonderful women that do so many amazing things that I have the privilege to know and meet and uh, come across. So the person who I'm crushing on today, her name is uh, Keisha Patrick, and she owns Main Choice, uh, like hair hair salon, um, and she also makes products, beard products, shampoo products, all types of natural hair care um, products. I mean, she is the bomb at styling. I know her personally. She's from my hometown, but she's really big on uh, Instagram. And uh, what do you call that thing? YouTube. I was like, what do you call that you thing? Said, what do you call that thing? <laughs> yeah, very big on those two platforms. And um, just what she's done with her talents and her gifts and how she transforms people's lives with their hair, uh, not with, through their hair, um, I think is great. I think is wonderful. And she's still very humble and down to earth. And she's 
made her uh, business from her passion. Okay. Well, yeah, her name is Keisha Patrick. Okay, that's so super dope. So, you know, me, I like representing and highlighting different women who are doing just as much, but are not widely known. And some of them are very shy about the things and the efforts that they are making a difference on. So today I'm going to, I'm going to shout out and my WCW is her name is Marie. And I might just jack her name up, but it's Del Marie. Uh, she is the author of Dola's Castle and Alex the Warrior, which teaches children about boundaries and whatnot. And we had her on the show. So I think I want to highlight her today because I, I go back and I'm hearing so many different things. And, you know, there was just a story that came up about, you know, protecting your kids and accepting that your kids are very honest with you about who touches them, who, you know, in, in appropriate ways. So I really want to highlight her today because given the things that are on the news and things that cycle cycle on my social media, definitely want to just honor her and represent her today as my WCW. So yeah, it's interested in hair care products. Um, You can, Send her, well, connect with her through Main Life Studio, and that's M-A-N-E, Life Studio. And so that's what she's under, under Facebook um, and her website. And I'm pretty sure she's also known as The Master Stylist on Instagram. So mm-hmm. wonderful and great. And I, I love her. And she makes great videos. Oh, I'm going to definitely have to check her out and follow her. You know, I'm always into the natural because I am natural. She does like everything. She does weave. She does natural. She does men, women. It doesn't matter. She can do it all. Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. See, that's that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. Well, I think for me, I really like just um, just the ability to have natural products because my hair doesn't take everything. As a matter right, of fact, right, if, right, I use, right. if I use certain hair products, it's just call it a wrap because I would end up having to wash my hair because my hair gets so oily so soon because it's just mm-hmm. curly. Even when it's blown straight, it certain chemicals. I remember getting my hair done and if I got it done and they put spritz or hairspray on it, it's instantaneously I have to wash it because my hair feels waxy. Mm. So just recognize that your hair is not the same as everything else. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, she has like 104,000 followers on Instagram. No, I can't wait to get to that. (laughs) And I think she has more on YouTube. So like, it's. Oh, wow. Okay. No, that's good. I am over here trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to send this to my um, my Facebook page so people can follow. And I am over here totally jacking it up because well, you know it's that California time. So while you're doing that, I am going to uh, talk about our. Uh, you know, it's Wednesday, so oh, cocktails. Yes. Um, so our drink for today, I think that we're going to do the early bird since it's early over there where you are on the west coast and so basically what you have is one ounce of mango puree three ounces of cranberry watermelon juice one ounce of mango liqueur one ounce of gin and one ounce of elder flower lemon vodka 
and you mix it all up. Mm. And because of the different juices and gins and purees that you put in there, it kind of makes a three level color drink. So that is called the early birds. Oh, um, nice, nice, nice. That is what you do. And if you want to do the mocktail version, you would do the one ounce mango puree, the cranberry watermelon, and um, mix those together and garnish with the cherry. But a little spice. nice. So there we go. I don't know. I, I have to tell you that the mocktail sounds just as good as the actual yeah, cocktail. Yeah, I got to make sure I send that over to you. Yeah. Well, I can always play this back too. You. Can, you can. I can get. I can can totally get that. And I have to tell you, this sun is tearing my ass up. <laughs> you look great. You look great in the sun. The sun is glowing. You're smiling. You just look refreshed and young and vibrant. I don't know about refreshed, but look, I don't know about refreshed, but I'm going to. You, you might not feel refreshed, but you look refreshed. I think that's important. And you know what? I'm going to have to share my view because where I'm at, I was sharing with Cortina before the podcast is like, I am literally right behind me over the, I don't know if call it a ravine, but there's a pond, there's a river out there. And right on the other side of that is Mexico. So I'm like so super close. Probably could still throw a stone. <laughs> it really is. So I just moved off the couch so I can hide my legs a little bit because they're burning from this sun. I it's bet. The, but you know what? The weird thing, it's not even, um, it's, it's not hot out here other than the sun like beaming directly on me. There's a really cool breeze that is so super nice. But when you're laying directly in the sun and I was napping out here earlier, you know, can't lie. Mm -hmm. Um, and the sun is the only thing that's like really hot, but there's a cool breeze that just comes in. So San Diego is kind of hot, but cool. It's it's so super weird. So you, you can totally get by on just wearing a sweatshirt, but totally get by on wearing short sleeves, depending on where you're at. Okay. Yes. So let's talk about our guest that's going to be on here tonight because she's it's so super interesting that... Um, her name is Anne Marie Hayek, and she is a thought leader and generational expert and social agitator who mm. deeply understands society's evolutions. I mean, so she's also the author of an upcoming book. Well, actually, the book is technically released now. Uh, it's called Generation We, The Power and Promise of Gen Z. So I so cannot wait to talk to her about this book, about what inspired her. I know when we talk about Generation Z, what are your thoughts? Um, that's Morgan's age, right? Those individuals. I don't. Is it? I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, I'm still. I'm. I'm always. I'm. I'm always just super. It's, it's between, you know, it's so no, I don't know if it covers Morgan because it's between those that's from 97 to 2012. Yeah, she's 06. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's okay. I'm like, yeah, I think that's Morgan. So, um, well, you know, but I still feel like Morgan's such a baby to me. I know, <laughs> even though she's super mature, I, I still feel like that she's not quite grown. You forget about years, and I think I don't really count years. 
Mm-hmm. As much as I do, um, I just look at people. Yeah. I don't know. But you have a different relationship with Morgan. So, you know, she's, That's like, true. You know, she's your little niece. So, when you I get know. Out, oh, my God. People who were born in 96. Oh, Lord. You're grown, <laughs> You know, it's a little bit different than the time, you know, that you spend with Miss Pocketing Morgan. And um, I'm, I'm out here doing the most right now. Uh, <laughs> it looked like Freddie Cougar got to your shirt. We, it ain't Halloween yet. Uh, <laughs> Stop it. So I was trying to, I know everybody, I apologize. I'm trying to move to where the sun isn't directly on me. And unless I go upstairs, maybe, well, no, you know what? I don't even know if I go upstairs, if it'll make a difference because I was laying on the, um, I forget what they call it. I forget what they call it, but I was laying upstairs and it was like super hot upstairs as well. But I'm good now. I have a little banister that's blocking the sun from directly hitting me. But it feels so good. I don't want to go inside because it's just nice out. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's a little bit different for you as it relates to, you know, viewing Morgan in that way. But I would have to say I, I do think the generation that is Gen Z, I think they are less timid, less apt to be influenced, and they kind of live life on their own terms. And the reason why I say that is because of I, I even even my generation, we're not as conservative in, in my eyes as maybe my parents' generation or the generation, you know, before. And and I think yeah. every generation, and I'm not talking about liberal in a political sense, but I feel as yes. though they get more free because society loosens up a little bit more and they're not afraid to use their voices. They're not afraid to fight what for what's right. Almost like that girl who she, you know, turned in one. She was the uh, class president or valedictorian and she went to go make her speech, but the speech she turned in was not in Texas, was not the speech that she gave. And it was on, you know, taking women's abortion rights away and things like that. So being just very uh, fearless and, and things like that. And so I, I, you know, I, I like generation Z, you know, I know some people be like, Oh my God, they so dumb. They doing these TikTok challenges and we're always going to have, you know, people doing crazy stuff. That's in any generation. I don't know if it's a generation Z that's so much doing that grasp the TikTok. Now they no, are. No, I'm talking but, about but I the think dangerous they're... ones. I'm talking about, no, the ones with oh, yeah, like yeah. and bleach and all that other kind okay. of crazy foolishness. Yeah. I'm talking about that kind of stuff. Okay. So, you know what? Here's the thing. I have nieces and nephews that are all, you know, all a part of that generation. And when I say I am typically um, in awe, I... I a few years ago, especially as they were graduating and they had, they had all these aspirations to be all of these things. And I was like, wow, I wish I would have aspired to those things when I was that age, but also my age and my generation was not exposed. We didn't have the internet to expose us to all of these things. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different now. And I am watching the evolution of technology and how it affects Mm -hmm. the the information that our youth is getting. And so we have to, 
I feel like be very cautious and careful about what we put out there only because people are watching. Children are very impressionable. And I, and, and before anybody gets started saying, Oh, it's up to parents to monitor what their children watch and all of that other stuff. Unless you are literally standing over your children's shoulder the entire time. I know children who are in school that go against the reservoir (laughs) and start looking at other things. Mm -hmm. Or you can block what you want on a child's phone. It does not mean they would not be exposed to things if things are put delicately. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm a firm believer in that. You know, there are things that are very subliminal for our children that, uh, that make a difference in how they see the world. And I would say normally that we have a responsibility of parents as parents to monitor those things, but it's impossible. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's impossible to monitor every single thing because when kids are in school, guess what? A lot of them have iPads now. They have access to the internet. And even even though it is, it might be, things might be censored, it's censored by words. You keep in right. mind how technology works. Right. If they're not specifically saying buzzwords to turn things off and to raise red flags, it's so easy to manipulate a child by word usage. Mm-hmm. This is why gaming, you know, like the whole world of internet gaming has become such a thing because people have found a way to manipulate children through the use of gaming words without even using anything sexual or anything graphic. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yes. And I think looking at the content also that's <sighs> overall, I think Generation Z is, and I don't got, no, I don't have any research to back up what I'm about to say. So this is totally 100% Cortina's point of view. I think they are less conservative than previous generations, and the reason why I say that is because they're more inclusive of LGBTQ communities. They are more open-minded about different things. Um, I think even when it comes to religious standpoints and the rigidity that normally is around, you know, when we're talking about political conservatives, I think Generation Zers can be conservatives as far as political is concerned, but not overly oppressive, if that makes sense, in the policies that they are interested in. Mm-hmm. That's just my own personal. That's, that's just my own personal. So then, and and please forgive me, y'all, because I don't keep up with all this generation numbers. I don't even know what generation I'm in, so I don't really, I don't subscribe to those type of things. I probably should, but I don't. Because uh, I think, what are we, Generation X? I don't know. What what is our generation? I don't even know. See, that's the thing. I I guess we, and you know, just like I don't subscribe to all of the types of hair, I don't subscribe to all of these generation. I just alphabets. knew. I just knew Generation Z because Morgan always talks about. No, I know Gen X too. Z. I heard of Gen X, and I think maybe that's what we are. <laughs> so look, and that's okay. Um, Might be it's, millennials. It's a, you said, I don't know. Generation I, don't, I don't X? know. I have no idea. Oh, no. So, so Gen X is the mid 60s to the early 80s. I'm Gen X. 
How about that? I would say that Gen X, Gen X, yes. I can say really like because some, 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 uh, Gen X. Yeah, so that's a if from the 1960s to the 80s, you're Gen X. I'm just saying. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. I I I absolutely did not know that. And you know what? I, I want to hear who else did not know or curious to what they are. Because what were you? I'm, I'm not even going to go back to my phone to look right now. But what were they? What were they before the 60s? That, was there a name for them or baby boomers? Maybe baby that's boomers. what it was. Baby boomers. baby boomers was probably before the 60s. And then it after was. 60s is Gen X. But I need to know. And I'm curious, and I'm going to look after this podcast, is to find out what started this naming conventions. I'm curious to know what started these naming conventions. If you know, please hit me on the, the inbox or, you know, just in the comments or the feedback. Because I would love, if you have a, a website or anything, I'm just curious to know. Because honestly, I don't know. Really and honestly, I don't give a damn, but I do. Because I'm very curious-minded. I don't care to know the generation. I'm just curious about the information. So mm-hmm. I would love it if you could share a, a website that has a breakdown, especially of where all of these things came from. And now they're starting yeah. over. It was just really cool. They have Gen A. So Generation A is uh, 2012 what? through 2025. People who are not even born yet, but they will be part of Generation A. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then for Generation Y, they have Generation Y.1 and Generation mm-hmm. Y.2. And Generation oh my goodness. Y is also known as Millennials as well. So it's Generation Y, Gen Y, or Millennials. Yep. And so, um, yeah. You know what? So, so while we wait, because, you know, our guests might be having some issues i mean our by the way please forgive us because right now it's only two of us typically it's three of us louisa is having some mechanical issues with her vehicle and more or less not even mechanical a tire issue with her vehicle so she's hoping to join us Mm -hmm. um soon Uh, so i wanted to put that out there and so we're checking in on our guests for today to make sure that you know that she's coming and that she's not having any issues with logging on in the interim, I'm really curious about this conversation right? because I, I, only because you know, let me explain something to you. When when I look at the trajectory of knowledge and what I, we are exposed to, mm-hmm. I can I can speak from my point of view, but I'm also someone who's watching diligently the evolution of technology and how it affects our youth and what we've been able to do. And what they've been able to do, just Mm -hmm. like I know when I was growing up, oh, the encyclopedia was my best friend. What the hell ever happened to encyclopedias? Or card catalogs, because everything became digital. And then that, you remember where you had to, used to go to the library and they had the, what do you call it, machines that had the uh, microfiche? Yeah. Yeah, you had to go to microfiche to find like articles from back in the the 30s and 40s and whatnot and all of that is now digital all electronic so does it make does it make the generation lazy 
I just I think that's a really great conversation. Do you think technology is making future generations or current generations and future generations lazy? No, I think it makes them more efficient. How? Because things are at the touch of their finger. I wouldn't say lazy in a sense of gathering information. I would say maybe you have to look at okay, if they're having more time because I can sit at my computer and I don't have to get up and go to the card catalog and figure out in the library where this book is and then go to that area and realize that it's, oh, it's not there. Okay, you know, or having to go through and research and find these things and I can just get a subscription to this, to, you know, peer review articles and journals and, historical things and data, you know, now I'm just like, okay, everything is at my fingertips and I can use it. Now, for some people who may not have that extra motivation, maybe they would have not continued to look. Maybe they would have gave up. Maybe they would have stopped. I think it depends on individually, the individual, what it looks like. Now, what I will say, I feel handicaps a little bit Mm -hmm. younger generations is when it comes to like texting and shorthanding everything. That's the part that I feel makes them uh, lazy. So shorthanding everything. But when it comes to being more efficient at writing a paper, doing a job, I think technology in that regard is great because it puts now more of the world at our fingertips versus, you know, texting and it's like straight and you spelling it S-T-R and the number eight straight. Like, no. I get that though. I get that. I don't shorthand a lot. My bad. I, I think about it after the fact, if I run, if, if I'm doing something that requires a certain amount of characters, then and only then do I shorthand. Otherwise, I have to think too hard to shorthand messages. But the other thing, go ahead. I guess I'm saying in regards to when it says making them lazy, making sure that children are still learning and that they're not writing college papers shorthand, like drawing the balance between, okay, texting you shorthanded, but that's not translating over to academia. Like, no, and the reason I don't even mean academia though when it comes to being lazy. I will say that because because there's a requirement. So here's where I mean with lazy. Bring it over because that's what but they, when, they see. Yeah, the unfortunate part is technology does fail, and I've been in positions. Um, there, I've been in positions where I've worked with people and things and technology fails and they are lost. And because I'm old school, at that point, I can say, like, I'm old school. Here's what you do. (laughs) Especially when I worked for the federal government before everything was paperless. Mm -hmm. We have paper. But technology is not always a given. Things go down. And Mm -hmm. something as simple, something as simple, as simple as I need to do some research. My computer goes down. All of a sudden, it's like, I can't do anything. Yet you can go to a library mm-hmm. and look at the same thing, but they don't have that wherewithal. That's what I mean by it, it makes them lazy in the sense that they don't know what to do. It's like, okay, well, you know what? It, my system is down, so I can't do anything. 
I mean, I wish that was the answer of what I I knew, but I'm grateful that I didn't grow up in a in a world of technology where it made me handicapped. Where I don't know because I know how to get ahead. I know how to keep the constant flow of information. Libraries are still very active. Libraries are still access to things. And so when I as a, as a college professor, I even say to them because I do have some you know, Gen Z, so, you know, and even Gen X, later part of Gen X that had the access to the internet. I still say library time because you might need it because if something else fails or you cannot access it, uh, that, that's what it is. Well, I think with any new uh, discovery or how we move forward in the future, there's always going to be pros and cons with certain things. Oh, of course. Um, so, you know, that's just one of the drawbacks, but 50 years from now, they might not even know what a library is. Like, you know, I might be, it might not exist. To, it's going to be like a fossil. Like, what? <laughs> like how we get, you know, back in the days of outhouse, who the hell finna use that? And then people that, you know, who was in between that outhouse. Yes. That was in between that outhouse phase and that indoor plumbing phase. They might be like, what if the toilet claw? Like, we need to go back to this outhouse. You know, so it's that little bit yeah. of transition where it's like, I like this because this is for sure. We outside. We don't got to worry about the house flooding. Now we in indoor plumbing. Now the house is flooding. Like, this is a problem. Like, what you going to do? So it's, you know, kind of gonna, gonna be like that. I remember taking Morgan to the library and um, I got her first library, uh, what do you call that? Library card uh, yes. with the Orange County Public Library. Cause I just wanted her to experience it, experience it. I wanted her to see it. I wanted her to know it. I remember when I, when my mom bought a new typewriter, I was so excited. Like it wasn't like the, the keys looked like, what um, a computer keyboard looked like, right? And so mm -hmm. I didn't have to like type like with the individual letters anymore. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. And then it had like the autocorrect where I didn't have to, you know, put the little white out in between the little thing. It automatically had like the built-in white out thing. So yeah. I could go like that backspace. Right. That that when they came out with the backspace, oh my God, it was so dope. I absolutely love that. So it was like, oh my God. Now I'm like, who the hell finna use a typewriter? Should I give my computer? Touch screen, everything. I mean, you know what? If the backlight goes out, I might be in trouble. But for the most part, you know, and, you know, with bigger companies, they have backup systems and all of that other stuff that they do. And with technology now, you know, you can be out, but they'll get you back up and running. Yeah. But you know what? There are still agencies, federal agencies that still use the typewriter for certain documentation to this day. Yeah. I think that's still so super dope to me. It might, I, 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 <laughs> it's probably one of those advanced ones. You know what? Because I'm a child. No, you look at it. No. Oh. So, I mean, I'm not. At, at any rate, I think, but you never know. So here's the thing. History repeats itself. But in the, in the term, in the times of where we are at now, history repeats itself with updates. So it makes it better. 
So we never know what kind of typewriter now, well, although they've used them like some real old school ones that I've seen. But no, what I'm saying is that when someone comes back and they introduce or reintroduce the typewriter, you never know what can be a part of it because it can be connected to a, what do you call it? The internet and the computer. And then you type it out. That's an idea for somebody who is tech is a high tech person. I would just say it's like a hybrid between the old school typewriter and the computer. So it's still technology. Exactly. But I'm talking about old it is school technology. Like, like what they still do right now. Yes. Have 30 years ago. Like, oh my God. Oh no, I'm not going back now. Like I'm, <laughs> I know the, the, you know, some of the people that came over, they like, oh no, I'm not using the outhouse. No, we're not. We're not. Yeah, no way in hell I would use an outhouse. I pee outside first. <laughs> I'm, you know what? Look, I'm a soldier first at any at any given time. I heard I learned how to be resourceful if you have to go to the bathroom. I don't feel comfortable in an outhouse. It's like, seriously, I don't know. I think it's something I'm not claustrophobic, but at the same time, closing me in with other people's shit uh, yeah. and piss. Excuse my language, y'all. Don't sit right with me. Well, a porta potty is almost like an outhouse to me. Same thing. Porta potty. I've never. I guess I, in a in a sense, I've never used an outhouse, but I equate a porta potty the same way. Yeah. I'm not just. I'm not. I'd rather, you know, dig a hole, do what I need to do, and let me just go. Because it's. It's. I don't know. It seems more sanitary because I think that. Uh, what do they say? Like even germs floats. They do. I don't want to be in. A, I don't want to be in an outhouse. I don't want to be in a porta potty. I don't want to be in any of that. Well, one of the things that I think about also, like you know, technology is a little slippery slope. It's scary. It's scary. What? Can you hear me? Yes, I hear oh, you. Okay. It's scary because now <laughs> I'm seeing some of the like scientific advancements they're looking at. Like that's scary. Like don't bring Jurassic Park back. Like they have this uh, woolly mammoth that. I mean, no, not the woolly mammoth, but like some woolly mammoth DNA, and they're really thinking about bringing it back. Like I remember when Dolly, the uh, goat or the sheep, the sheep, Dolly the sheep, when they brought made uh, a clone. Oh like, yeah, they cloned the sheep. They cloned the child. They cloned the whole child, and she's living. And so is the sheep. Well, I don't know about the child. I ain't because I, that's like oh yeah, the first clone. Like, yeah, the far beyond like what I'm comfortable with. So that type of technology, I'm not okay. I, I don't like that. I don't like that kind of stuff because if you clone me and I'm still alive, which one is the real me, right? And then do she have feelings? Do she have rights? Do she get oh a my God. birth certificate? Like what does the that look like? Child, I don't know. The first clone child was out of Florida. Uh, no. Now, and her name it was 20, 2002. It says on December 27th, 2002, Bridget Bossel, what is it? Bossellier, uh held a press conference in Florida announcing the birth of the first human clone called Eve. Okay, so that's different than I'm thinking about they making the child in the Petri dish. That's what I'm thinking about, right? So I'm that's, making- that's what it was. That's what it was. But no, no, no. I'm talking about like growing her in this thing that I can see, like this, this, this um, bulb of water that I can see her actually. Oh. 
but somebody gave birth to her. So they must be took the, the DNA from a, or the cells from, did, did they take it from a dead child or from who they took? The, oh, no, the, I think it, I, I think they took it. From, it was like an embryo. I think they took it from an embryo or whatever. This is probably back in the day. But Dolly the sheep is no longer living. Yeah, she died. Yeah, she died in 2003 at the age of six. Yeah, but so when I'm talking Crazy. about cloning, I'm talking about the way they did Dolly um, the sheep. Yeah, like the same, like, oh, hell no. Like, I got somebody that looked just like me because you cloned me. And now we like, you know, I robot and all of them look the same, but they all look like me. Who is the real me? Like, I'm the real me. Like, how do you dispute that? Do like, no, no, that just don't know. Let's just stay where we at. Let's not make no more. Like, even this going to space, I'm not even comfortable with that. Right, because y'all might open a portal, bring the aliens back, and now we under attack. Now it's the end of the world. Now we got. Oh my god! This is not. This is not like what Avengers. I believe in aliens, so I do believe if we shake up the universe a little bit, they're gonna see us moving around up there and get curious and want to stop by Earth. You think they are not already here? They probably are. I'm just saying that they have not already mm. been here, that oh, they've not the been here, here. The before us. Here. The good ones are here and among us and come take some people. You know, I used to watch a lot of um, Unsolved Mysteries. That used to be one of my favorite shows and all of the alien abductions. And then they come back and then they re- can't, um, re- recite <laughs> what, they, what happened to them, what they remember. And I believe in Area 51. I believe that we have aliens that we have captured. Somewhere, you know, the lost files, the X files. I believe in all that. But I think we got the good ones that are not harmful to us. But if we keep on circling around in the universe and taking people up there, I think maybe the not so good ones will be aware and want to cause us harm. That is just you, th- you just took it to a whole nother level. Okay. <laughs> you just literally took it to a whole other level. I, I can't not, even. I, and, and I do not like, look, I don't want nobody. I don't know. Like, we thought the girlfriend therapist, we thought she was saying, I am. I'm not queuing <laughs> on. Okay. I don't believe in like President Biden is not really President Biden because somebody said President Biden is in prison. This is one of the QAnon people, what they said. And it is an actor posing as President Biden. I was like, and these people really believe this. So that's not me. It might be some people out there saying, damn, she really believed as aliens. I, I I sure do. I I believe that there we are not the only life source out here. I'm a firm believer in that. I also I guess so if I was not a believer, I was a believer when I went to Egypt. Because some of the things and the phenomenons that's out there seem impossible for humans to do. And they have, uh, I don't know, they have different exhibits of different things that's yeah. that's out there. And and whenever I've traveled, it just makes me wonder, like, really, where where is the superhuman strength to be able to accomplish some of these things that are here in the U.S.? That and and how do you reduplicate those things or or duplicate those things in various places like pyramids? If you've ever from if you've never seen a pyramid, let me explain something to you. 
one stone that shapes a pyramid is inhumanly possible to move unless you have, I don't know, because pyramids are stacked. So I'm just trying to figure out back then where they're there before there was cranes and all of these other things. How the hell were they creating these statues or these pyramids? You know, they and and these I mean, you look at the Washington Monument, the Washington Monument was built in layers out in in Egypt. There's areas where it's just one solid stone lifted Mm -hmm. up. It's like, who is who is lifting these things? Who is building those things and how? If they're getting up there, how are they getting down? Possibly rope. I don't know. But there are there are so many things that makes you feel Wonder. like it's yeah, it does. I think. And when you read about it, they talk about aliens and and all of those things. Am I a believer? I it's not that I believe in aliens, but I do not not believe in aliens because I would be I feel like I would be ignorant to feel like we are the only life force here. Right. There's there's animals, there's insects, which I totally hate. There, <laughs> there are there are plant Some life. Some people don't believe in dinosaurs. I believe in dinosaurs. Well, I, I believe in dinosaurs because there's historic um Some people don't. They're historic bones and whatnot. Some people that don't. Some people believe the earth is flat. And that's true. So, you know, I mean, look, I don't, I, I think it was um, the Egyptians, the black ones built the pyramids. That's, that's just what I believe. Um, I think, I do think as a species, we're smarter, but we're not as strong as we used to be. Why? Yeah. Because of evolution as far as like we not like well we were never like cavemen but you know like crow magnum like back in those days where they yeah. were like thrown like ox and bull now we don't have to do all that physical manual labor so we lost some of that because now we're more i don't want this sounds weird domesticated right um so even though you might be doing work in the field you are not doing nearly as much as what people did like back in the back back day you know, yeah, like walking a hundred miles herding sheep. Who doing that? Like in <laughs> some the people still do, but some people desert. still do. But some people still do. Right, in, but not in a lot some of countries and some third world countries they still do. They in do. Some, but I don't think it, even, it is as hard now as it was in Jesus' days. Some people don't believe in Jesus, but I'm just saying, like back in those. Days, uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't know what it was like to live back in his days. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I think that what was hard then is potentially hard, but in a different way now. Is yeah. that that makes sense? Yeah, the hardness yeah. might be a different hard or a different way. Um, so, for example, I think the generation, what is that, Generation Z we were talking about? Yeah, Gen Z, oh, yes. And I'm not saying this in a negative way. I think they are more emotional than my generation, you know, or generations prior. And the only reason why I say this is because, one, they're more in touch with their emotions. So they're much more able to verbalize where our generation did not necessarily have the freedom to verbalize or maybe the words to put with what we really feel. We just had to go through it. Well, I mean, this is what happens, you know. 
But now they're like, no, I think I feel depressed or I'm feeling sad. They're, I think they're, they verbalize their emotionality more than we did. I'm not going to say they're more emotional, but they verbalize it more. Before do you think that, do you think, no, let me, before you give your example, do you think that they've shaped some of the need for therapy, this new generation or no, or is it the generation after them that has shaped the need for therapy? I, no, only because. Or, or at least for identity, for identity purposes. Let's go there for identity purposes, because we know that that's still very new. Everybody needs some level of therapy. from. Because I was going to say, I don't work with kids, so that's not the generation. Yeah, that so, and I think, and I guess when I look at, you know, uh, it's in, in a day and time where it might be even after this generation, because the, what the generation went through, 2012? Y- yeah. Okay, so I absolutely think that what what's the generation after after Gen, Gen generation Z? Generation A, Gen A. Are you sure it's Gen A? It's I don't know. At, at, at any rate, I think the current yeah, generation is 20, it's 2012 through 2025. Okay, it's Gen A? Gen A. Okay, I could it could have been XY for all I know. I don't know. But I think that would you say that the newer generation because of the the movements when it comes to sex and sexuality do you think that that's a huge difference in in the need for therapy because and not even necessarily for them but for the parents because you said you treat adults mm-hmm. and so when you give your example i'm just curious to know the difference between adults you see now and ne- the adults you see now with gen a children I would say if we keep going the way that we are going, because society is much more accepting, the issues that I see now may not be as prevalent, so they may not necessarily need therapy for those issues. My what, And the reason why I say that is because now kids are much more tolerant. They seeing LGBTQ on TV, on everywhere. It's everywhere. It's saturated. It's in the NFL. So it's not going to be new or socially taboo the way it is currently today so when they get of age where they may want to invite people in because we don't necessarily say come out we invite people in um when they want to invite people in and let people know like hey i'm attracted to the other sex because their parents who will be having them is in this with the exposure it won't be as much of i'm kicking you out my family you can't do this or the internal conflict when it comes to them feeling a little bit more comfortable. Now, there are still going to be families that don't accept it or whatever, but I think it's going to be much less than what we experience today. So I don't, you know what, what you said talking about, I guess, being liberated from their point of view, what I would think, I don't think society is liberated when it comes to sex and sexuality and people. I think those people are. I think that there's certain people are because it's still very um, not widely. When I say it's not widely accepted, I think that the people are accepting of where they are and there are they are forcing the world to see them and accept them as they are. And so there's a difference to me when it comes to the different generational 
I don't know what do, what do they call it generational uh I don't know genres or people or what whatever it is right. whatever they call themselves I think that you know when just like when I was growing up you almost didn't even have to say you just people just accepted but I think that was not enough and so now where there is oh we just knew it like people who were um it, you know homosexual in any kind of way we knew oh. a lot we we, we didn't oh. oh well you know what even to the day the people just unspoken things like I've even had one of my really great childhood friends I knew from the time that he was in third grade we were in third grade together I just knew I grew up with that in my family when they were adults and I was a child so I just kind of I learned not to say anything it wasn't anything to say it wasn't anything it wasn't anything to say it was more of just accept people for who they are and where they are so when my childhood friend in my 30s decided to come out i was like yeah okay i knew but okay i didn't care but i think that's a small percentage because if you look at the lg well let me just say gay and lesbian not trans but when you look at the numbers of individuals most of them you cannot you 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 won't know unless they share that with you and i guess because i'm 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 aware of that because of my feel and working around individuals who identify, you would not know. That is the majority of that community. Now you have the outliers. We're like, mm, like back in the day where they say, I think he might have a little, he might be touched or he might have a little shit in his tank. Yeah, <laughs> those, those individuals, you're like, okay, yeah, I think they're going to be a little, but where we are now, like, for example, I was just in the pride parade. I was in Pride. I took my daughter, Morgan, to the Pride Parade. Like, not this week, not this weekend just passed, but the weekend prior. And, I mean, some individuals, people probably would have assumed, because as Dee said, I look like a clown. I don't think so. I thought I was very cute. I had my tutu on and my socks, and I was just, like, amazing. I think I look great. You know, some people, they could assume that I was lesbian or bisexual, but I'm not. Because you were out there. Not even because I was out there, but maybe because I was promoting it. And when I was explaining it to somebody, I was like, it's almost like seeing a white person at Black Lives Matter. They're not black, but they're oh, that's so true. You know what I'm saying? So it's so the same true. thing. So I'm out there with the Black Health Commission. And because I just think that, you know, no one should be outcast or ostracized for, for anything. And going back to the point that you were uh, making, the reason why I say they won't have as, or the, the stigma will be less. It's because it's much more exposure, regardless of who's pushing it, regardless of if it's yeah. X, regardless, the, the fact remains that it's in your face. It's in cartoons. It's in Disney. They making Superman bisexual or whatever they're making him. So it's, it's, it, you used to did not see this on TV. It wasn't on TV. That's true. Well, now That's for true. the younger generation, it's not going to be a foreign concept to them, whether their families accept it or not. At least they will have some representation for what it is that they are feeling. And for the kids that did not have representation because they never saw it on TV, they grew up in the back hills of Wisconsin or wherever they grew up at, and they didn't see it. They wasn't exposed to it. They just knew that they were having these feelings and they were different from everybody else. 
it's much more harder to explain versus the kids that are now like, oh yeah, Superman, bisexual. Okay, well, you know, you got Disney movie where you got the two dads and then you got this over here. And so that's why I say, regardless of who's pushing it, the message is out there. Yeah. Now it's up to parents to be supportive of their children. Like, for example, anytime I'm asking Morgan, I say, you got a boyfriend? You got a girlfriend? Like, I, because I don't ever want her to feel that I have a expectation for her that she can't live up to if she feels as though she wants to have a girlfriend. Like, I don't ever want to put that pressure on her. Damn what I feel. It's about, okay, I want you to be, like your name says, Morgan, I want you to be your unapologetic self. I don't want you to feel like you have to live up to what I want you to do. I just want you to be happy in life because happy people are adjusted people. People who are so bent on, I got to please my mama. I got to do this. I can't shame the family. I can't do that. They live miserably because they don't even know who they are because they can't live in their truth. And some people yeah. have not been living in their truths for so long that I don't even know what my truth is no more. I don't even know. I don't even know what that looks like. But you know what? I, and, and in saying that, I can... That resonates even with me on a level where, you know, you live up to other people's expectations yeah. constantly yeah. and you become the yes person. Sure, yeah. I'll do this. Yes, I'll believe what you want me to believe. Yes, I'll I won't I won't love myself enough. I'm going to give all of myself. I totally get that. Yeah. And it's such an unhealthy place to be. Absolutely. And that's one of the I mean, hello, you see unapologetic for a reason, because mm -hmm. I, I march at the beat of my own drum. I've exhausted myself in losing myself for uh, at the gain of other people's yeah. happiness. And I think that's what, powerful. That's something that, and and I, that's something that I won't do, but it's also for a long time. And, and people who are watching, hear me and hear me clear. I did that for so long that I grew up in a toxic space internally because mm. I didn't know who I was. Right. And I had to put everything else aside and figure out who the hell is Pam, not Dr. Pam, not anyone else, but just Pam, not Pam who's successful, not Pam who's, who's climbed all of these things and made yeah. all these. Yeah, yeah. I had to find out who I was and I did not like it. I didn't like the process. I didn't like what I had to learn about myself and I had to accept that I absolutely lived in a toxic place for over 20 years of my life. It's the worst thing you can ever do. And yeah. so now, you know, it, it might seem as if I'm cold or um, that I don't care. It's not that. I just learned to love me first and put myself first. Am I willing to go all out for other people? Anybody who knows me knows that I will give you the shirt off my back, but I won't do it at the expense of my peace. Of you, right. Right. And at the expense of my joy and at the at the expense of me losing who I am as a person, because I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of. And some people take advantage of that. But then that's also why when I developed the pedestal philosophy is that I sit on my own pedestal. It's, you know, I can look down and I'm human. I don't want anybody else to see me as perfect. Fuck all right. that. No, I'm, right. I'm so flawed. I'm not going to be what you want me to be. I'm not going to be perfect. But what I will be and what people need to appreciate is that I will always be me. 
Yeah. And so that's what I really and truly advocate for. And that's something that I do love about this new generation of people, of, of children who are coming up for those that accept them. But they are still those that rely on social media and, and media and television to define who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's a false reality because then they yeah. they have this expectation that parents think that they should be this way, mm-hmm. that that their friends should think that they should be that way, but society should see them as that way. And so you have people who are very conflicted and then they wonder why the suicide rate is so high with our children. It's because they don't have an outlet. They don't have an outlet to be themselves because they're so busy trying to live at the expectation of whatever their parent want them to be. I do think that that TikTok and and that uh, Instagram is detrimental. I think it can be helpful, but I think that especially for younger generations, because they do see the uh, Instagram models and the influencers. And one thing that I tell people, because I I know some influencers and, and models, that's not their life. Like they're texting you, can I get X, Y, and Z until, you know, like, yeah, you see all this. It looks great, doesn't it? However, it's it's a facade. Their life is not perfect. Them getting their boobs done and their body done does not make their life complete, right? Because there are people who have boobs and butt. Guess what? They still get cheated on anyway. So if you're trying to live up, I'm serious. You know what I'm saying? With somebody who flat as a pancake. So it really doesn't matter. If you want to get that stuff done, do it because that's what you want to do and not because you're trying to get the attention of somebody else. But because we do live in a very, what, what, what they call it? Help, uh, materialistic uh, or um, that and um, um, clout, clout chasing. Okay, you know, everybody, you know, a lot, well, not everybody, but some people they just want that. Uh, so they put out these personas and these fake realities. And for people that are looking at, they're like, oh my god, they look so happy. Maybe if I look more like them, my life will be happy. And that's not true. So, again, going to your name unapologetically, I tell all my patients, don't pretend when you come here. I don't want you to have to say it right. I don't want you to get it right. I want I want to deal with the real you. Be yeah. your unfiltered, unapologetic self when you come in and live life that way. If people don't accept you, the hell with them people. Because guess what? You want them to accept the fake you? Like, that's not right. I want people who love the real me that's who I want to be around. Not like I'm walking on eggshells because other people don't accept who I am. For example, there was like, okay, you know, I talk real country sometimes, right? And I'm not always, you know, as eloquent in my tone or in the way that I communicate certain things. You know, I get loud, I get passionate. That's just how, that's just me. And I had to learn how not to cold switch because of how I feel other people are looking at me. For example, mm-hmm. my daughter would tell me, oh, that's good. That's deep. She'll be like, mommy, you're doing it. Like she calls me out all the time. Mommy, why are you talking like that? <laughs> so you know how Morgan is. I'm like, like what? Uh like that. I'm like, I'm not talking like anything. See, now you're talking regular. So if and I'm not talking about like cursing and, and slang like that. I'm just saying my natural voice that is not altered to fit 
a particular place, if that makes sense, you know, and I still, I still work on that because I don't want to have to code switch. I don't want to have to change my voice tone or, or anything because I feel as though people won't accept me or they will think, mm, how much education does she really have? Because she sound real backwoods, you know, like, no, I want my work to speak for me, not for me to have to yeah. change anything and again i think that goes to some of the things that people say like you have to present a certain way to get into certain doors well if we continue to do that we're going to continue to keep that gate and that barrier up for younger generations who we don't give them permission to totally be themselves you know so yeah no i i completely agree when you talk about code switching here's the unique thing i used i used to um find myself feeling like i need to change up every time i'm dealing with something now i i feel like i should sometimes <laughs> I, I catch myself like oh i just i i came off um a little indifferently depending on the range of where you get me that's the range you get me at uh and so that's for me it's i probably could have handled that differently Cause I don't, I have a hard time not code switching because I'm so comfortable in being who I am. But, but, but no matter what, I think my, I'm, I'm always, I'm always proper. I don't really do slang, even though, and, and I, so sometimes people might say something to me and I'm like, I have no idea what that is. I'm so not hip to slang, terrible at it. So even Jay, Jay might say stuff to me and I'm like, what does that mean? Cause I'm not, I'm not used to, I tell you, I'm not used to that. But right, right. sometimes other stuff comes out and I'm like, if you piss me off to the wrong thing, it is like a very proper way of cussing you out. But then I have to catch myself and say, damn, I could have been a little more um, nice about things. But that's not I'm so used to delivering myself. So I feel like that's like a blessing and a curse to be myself. Right. right. Because I do think that, you know, you have to be mindful of the place that you are in. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make me any less proper or use any word to 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 go down for what I am. But I think I also like just naturally being myself. And then people shockingly are surprised when, you know, I, I either because sometimes I just introduce myself as Pam or Pamela. And then if they say, do you have a business card or something? And then they see doctor in front of the name. And then it's like, oh, I didn't know you had a doctorate. So, yeah, OK. That I do. It's almost like when I went to the ENT doctor yeah. and, you know, I, I don't know what I was dressed like, but um, some people are like, oh, uh, so what are you doing? I said, well, I'm a therapist. I have a private practice in Winter Park because Winter Park is a very like affluent area. Yes. Some Their entire demeanor changes. I took Morgan exactly. to the doctor and the, the doctor who was, was like, oh, so I don't know what we were talking about. They was like, oh, so are you a teacher? And no, no offense to teachers at all. I think teachers are great because our kids spend more time with teachers than they do their own family. But I was like, hmm, I wonder what would make them assume that versus, you know, first asking, okay, what do you do? You know? And so I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a therapist. You know, it's like, oh, like what kind of therapist? Like a uh, physical therapist? Nope. I could sit on my couch kind of therapist, <laughs> you know? And so- because I don't always dress, I don't dress up when I go out, you know, I just be looking regular. And so 
it, it's funny how we um judge people based on yeah. what they look like. You know what I'm saying? And so I think we're all guilty of it at some point in time. But you know, when it happens to us, happens to us, it's almost like dang oh okay like or or some people are surprised on the other side like for example because you are so down to earth and you are just pam sometimes some people might be like damn she a dope ass doctor you know like oh you a doctor yeah. oh, that's cool like you're not like all uppity and you know like some people get like i'm a doctor you know like oh no. uh, yeah yeah i know i totally agree i totally agree but you know what? You're so right on point. I remember when I first started working at the State Department and I shared this in one of my books and I was just like, what in the world? I was I had homework because I was in the middle. I was towards the end of my doctoral program or. Yeah, it was in my last year of my doctoral program. And somebody asked me, hey, what you know, what are you doing over the weekend? I was like, I have homework to do. And he was like, oh, so you're getting your bachelor's. And I was like, Ooh. no. Yeah. I was like, no. uh, uh-uh. And he was like, cut me off. Totally cut me off. Oh, so you're getting your master's. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm going. Not that and he cut me off again. And do you know, he reduced it all the way down to a certificate. Oh, he's no, a certificate. Damn. He said, oh, so you're getting a certificate. I was like, you go from, hold up. You go from bachelor's master's to a damn certificate. And I was like, no, I'm working, I'm, I'm, I'm in the last year of getting my doctorate. And he was like, oh, that's impressive. Cause I'm black. Mm. And it's not, not terrible from a black guy. Oh, oh, that's it's insult to injury. <laughs> so, you know, when, when we talk about perception and it's, I don't know, it's so detrimental to our own community to think that low that we can't achieve such a high but which brings me to you know what I don't believe in things going viral and whatnot but let me just tell you something I posted recently about you know when I was doing the Jack and Joe reading out and it's so weird I'm in Orange County I was in Orange County California Orange County not Florida Orange County but I was in Jack and Jill um, Orange County and I was reading to their kids of the chapter in Orange County and I posted the video originally before then I had posted, I guess, a, a, just a post where I talked about the people, the ch- young children that I met. I met the future, oh, yeah, the future. Yeah. I saw civil, that. Civil rights attorney, um, you know, astronaut pilot, you know, yeah, all that. of that. And so then I, I was going through all of my videos on my phone because I'm, you know, I'm posting for social media and I came across where it was recorded. And you can hear it from the kid's voice. And I was like, oh, my God. This is that so like today, powerful. I think. Or today or I today. did. I posted it today. I saw it. And, and I was like, it made me feel so good to see young black and brown children in an organization where equity is discussed and equity is given. So when I say I was just in awe, I was so impressed. I was like, oh, my God. And I don't even, I won't even say impress is the word. I was just in a, in a zone and proud to be someone who is giving life that also nurtures that for children who don't see that that's outside of such a, uh, an organization that, that 
pours into children to be more because these children ranged in age, but they were like, I think maybe second and third graders. And when you hear a young child say, I want to be a civil rights attorney, come on now, come on. And you hear them saying a doctor and a paramedic and things that are not typically fed into children. And it made me feel really good considering I just wrote a book called Break Barriers. And one of the reasons why I I made it, you know, I published it was because I wanted black and brown children to see themselves differently. And so I, I wanted them to strive high. So instead of putting doctor, I put nurse, I put a surgeon. Yeah, instead yeah. of putting lawyer, I put judge and, you know, and I put veterinarian instead of just being a landowner, mm-hmm. be a farmer, own your land and produce things that's going to feed our community because you just never know. It's right. like, how do you feed to get us to our black wall street? Right. You know what I'm saying? And so that's kind of when I sat there and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is so nice. I think representation matters so kids can begin to see themselves. Yes. In it. And I think I think it might stop. Well, I mean, you know, every time uh, Pam, it's always a good conversation. Uh, when we're on, whether we have a guest or not, we just kind of roll with it. And the conversation is oh, yeah. flowing and, and it moves. And so. Did we? Oh yeah, shoes. Oh yeah, it's after eight. Yeah, oh, my God. You have a you, if you have a patient. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, so we are going to look. I didn't even look at the time. We're just chilling and just having yeah. conversation. So you know what? How can people find you? First of all, thank everybody for tuning in. But yes, how can people absolutely. find you? Christina? How can people they connect? Can, they can find me on. Um, how can they find me? Oh, <laughs> right here on the screen. At the Girlfriend Therapist. Yes, you can find me at the Girlfriend Therapist on all social media platforms. And you can find me at I am Dr. P. Gurley on all platforms. And of course, you can connect with Herspiration Happy Hour. We are on every major platform from iHeart to Pandora to Amazon Podcast. You you name it, we're basically there. So if you want to catch up with this one, you can always go and look. And we actually stream live on Instagram, uh, not Instagram, Facebook, YouTube and Twitch. So follow us on all of those platforms. And then of course you can download on Apple Apple uh, podcasts or anywhere else. So, you know, we thank you so much for hanging in with us on this conversation and we definitely appreciate your time. And to, uh, until um, the next time, cheers. cheers.